0: I'm Mark Peterson, and this is Before, During, and After, a podcast from FEMA. January is Human Trafficking Prevention Month, a presidentially designated observance designed to educate the public about human trafficking and the role they can play in preventing and responding to human trafficking. The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services theme for Human Trafficking Prevention Month 2024 is Activate Connections to Prevent Human Trafficking. This is an opportunity to build human trafficking prevention initiatives that work. Human trafficking cannot be prevented by any one individual, community, organization, or government. But building connections is at the heart of what emergency managers do. And to that end, we can be leaders in the effort of prevention. When we partner to prevent, we can enhance our efforts to keep everyone safe from human trafficking. So on today's episode, we talk to leaders from within the Department of Homeland Security and FEMA about how we all within the public safety and emergency management communities can build human trafficking prevention initiatives that work. Okay, so today to talk about a, a very serious topic of uh, human trafficking prevention, I'm, I'm thrilled to be uh, joined by a few very gracious leaders within the within DHS and FEMA to talk a bit about you know what we as in the emergency management and um, public safety communities can do to uh, as the proclamation says develop prevention initiatives that work and i just think this is a, a great conversation uh, during uh, human trafficking prevention month to uh, really kick us off and bring some awareness to our uh, emergency management community about what we all can do. So to start us off, uh, you know, uh, I want to start off with some introductions of our guests. The first, so great to meet you, Brandy Bynum from the DHS Center for Countering Human Trafficking. Brandy, thanks so much for joining me.
1: Thank you, Mark, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here especially after uh wear blue day so it's really exciting
0: (laughs) that's right uh and in fact our our intranet site was um grazed with the administrator and deputy administrator wearing blue in recognition of it it was great
1: that is so awesome we appreciate the support
0: uh and then leslie saucedo the director of fema's office of equal rights leslie welcome back
2: Thank you so much. Happy to be here and really appreciate the invitation to be able to talk about this incredibly important topic during this uh, month where we're all trying to raise awareness and make sure folks know what they need to know to be able to help us in our path to eliminate human trafficking.
0: And then finally, Nicole Wood, who's the deputy director of the DHS Center for Faith-Based and Neighborhood Partnerships. That is an organization that is doing so many great things, both for FEMA and within the DHS community. Nicole, thanks for joining me.
3: Thank you so much, Mark. I'm certainly grateful to be alongside both Brandy and Leslie today. It should be a very exciting conversation and looking forward to having the opportunity to stand alongside each of them uh, to talk about an issue that is near and dear to me. So thanks again, Mark.
0: So one of the themes for January's Human Trafficking Prevention Month is activating connections to prevent human trafficking. And I can't think of a better way to sum up, you know, what is the heart and soul of being an emergency manager is activating connections. And that is the same for a lot of our partners within the DHS. So Brandy, I want to start off with you. Talk me through just how DHS, the Department of Homeland Security, kind of fits in as a leader in the space of preventing human trafficking.
1: Absolutely, Mark. So I'll start from like a 30,000 foot view because we are one of about 20 agencies in the federal government that have a footprint of human trafficking. And the biggest part is the investigation, right? So our Homeland Security Investigations uh, team, um, special agents, victim assistance specialists, interview specialists, they have Uh, investigative authority, over 400 crimes uh, to include human trafficking. And so we have some amazing men and women um, all across the world, not just here in the United States that are, um, you know, in the trenches, as I say, on the ground, doing the the really great work to investigate the crime. Um, And one of the reasons why the DHS Center for Countering Human Trafficking was created is because we have 16 components and agencies. Um, Some of us are represented on this podcast today um, across DHS that have a footprint in trafficking. And so we are all co-collaborating or have been transitioned to include my team, the Blue Campaign, to the CCHT, which is the Center for Countering Human Trafficking. It's a mouthful, so I'll just say CCHT moving forward, um, so that we can put all our resources together. Um, So that center was created in 2020 during the pandemic. Um, So it's not new, but I like to say it's new-ish because our legislation was codified in December of 2022. Um, And so we, you know, have a space in downtown DC, Um, you know, we are up to about uh, 80 or 90 employees now, um, starting from just detailies, you know, almost three years ago. Um, that's kind of our role, and that can be from, as I mentioned, the investigations to what my team does, which is um, external engagement, public awareness, um, to having customs and border um, protection there, um, who protects our borders, to Coast Guard, who is protecting um, the public on the waterways, to TSA at the airport. Um, it's, it's endless, right? Um, and I mentioned it's 16 components and offices, and we all have a role to play, um, but that was the gist of why... why DHS created the CCHT is because we have always been working um, together and I've been with DHS since 2018 and we were previously at DHS headquarters and we had a blue campaign steering committee which Nicole was a part of that's how we met you know five or six years ago and so we've always been working together but now we're literally all in one building um, in one space and able to co-collaborate So I know that was a lot for that question, but we have so many different roles and responsibilities. But the CCHT is your your one-stop shop if you're trying to get connected on our human trafficking efforts.
0: Yeah. I mean, DHS is obviously a large organization, but it also has so many resources uh, and and agencies that can do a lot in this space. And so uh, maybe just to level set, Brandy, talk to me about what human trafficking is and maybe what it's not and how it's caused.
1: Absolutely. So the federal definition for human trafficking is the use of force, fraud or coercion to compel someone into a labor or commercial sex act. Anybody under the age of 18 that's involved in a commercial sex act, it is all automatically considered human trafficking, um, regardless if those three elements of force, fraud or coercion are present. And I think in layman terms for our listeners, um, human trafficking is a is the crime of exploitation against a person, right? Which makes it even more horrible when we um, look at other crimes and what traffickers are doing. Um, they're, they are preying on vulnerabilities of people, right? And I know we'll get into some of that a little bit later. Um, but when we talk about human trafficking, we have to remember it's um, someone exchanging something of value for that person's um you know, labor or commercial sex act. And so a lot of times we think about money, right? It's not always that. It could be the newest cell phone. It could be makeup. It could be clothing. It could be housing, right? Um, because we have these vulnerabilities where traffickers are playing on those those things. And so just really want to to put drive that point home that it can be anything in exchange um, of something of value. And then, you know, human trafficking can happen to anyone right? Um, People can be of any age, race, ethnicity, nationality, socioeconomic status, traffickers can be anybody. And so that's why education is so, so important when we talk about what it is and what it isn't, especially as more people in the media are talking about human trafficking.
0: Yeah. I mean, do you have any just kind of quick you know, sort of awareness numbers, uh, or the numbers of the impact and, and whether or not there's any higher percentage of women versus men.
1: Yeah. So here at the CCHT, we like to use the International Labor Organization's numbers um, because in the past, we really didn't know, right? You would see different numbers across different sites. But I think um, pretty much everybody in this field is kind of hovering over that around 28 million plus people are affected um, across the world. And it generates $150 billion, right? That is crazy. So we know that this crime is happening worldwide. Um, the State Department puts out a trafficking in persons report every year that, that ranks the countries on their efforts to combat and every country is listed. Right. Um, so that is one thing that, you know, I want to say is it's not just happening overseas. It's happening right here in our neighborhoods and communities in the United States.
0: Yeah, those are some pretty astounding numbers. I think uh, maybe a hidden crime, um, or it seems to me, uh, it's just astounding that has grown that large. Leslie, you know, f- this is the FEMA podcast. So from the emergency management and FEMA perspective, you know, who, where we work in disasters with disaster survivors, have you noticed or have you been involved maybe in uh, a rise of awareness or in an effort to prevent human trafficking?
2: So absolutely, there's been a a big focus on making sure that folks are aware of it. And and part of it is because of those uh, astounding statistics that Brandy just provided. Um, And the reality is, is that we're really aware of the fact that human trafficking impacts disaster survivors, right? Which is why FEMA's FEMA's here and FEMA wants to talk about this today. Um, You know, the, the reality is, as Brandy said, the true and exact impacts of human trafficking and disaster survivors are unknown. But most people generally agree, right, that the displacing effects of natural disasters. So those are things like. Uh, destructions of homes and businesses, loss of jobs, and of course the need to relocate, it really heightens the risk of human trafficking. Um, And we know that this has been an absolutely record-breaking year for disasters, from flooding due to the atmospheric rivers in California, deadly tornado outbreaks across the South and Midwest, and raging wildfires. Uh, So we know that the uh, situations or the uh, environment for human trafficking is there and has increased uh, because of the disasters that we are, we're focused on. And so we want to make sure that folks are aware of the potential for it, the impacts of it, and, and absolutely what to do when they see it.
0: You know, as a FEMA employee, we have uh, gone through mandatory training that every year, you know, raises awareness of of the, um, the problems, the impact, the crisis of human trafficking, and then also some some tools on how we as employees can be aware of it and, you know, potentially be in a situation where we can uh, raise attention and prevent, um, you know, an act. So I'm wondering what resources has FEMA made available be- besides the training um, for persons of human trafficking uh, or any kind of forms of gender-based violence?
2: So it's a really, really great question. So at FEMA, Every single employee, regardless of their official job or duty title, is an emergency manager, right? And we are wholeheartedly committed to serving our country before, during, and after disasters. And when we deploy to a disaster, we are the front line that engages directly with disaster survivors. So, of course, we assist those survivors in obtaining safe housing, subsistence, and addressing basic survival needs. And really, the greatest resource that we provide is our people, our employees. employees, as you said, are trained to look out for signs or indicators of gender-based violence and human trafficking uh, while they engage with disaster survivors. And we provide numerous resources and referrals when concerns or issues arise, whether that's to our friends up at the Blue Campaign or or HSI, whether it's to local law enforcement, shelters, or other organizations in the community, uh, uh, community organizations and faith-based organizations that are focused on both human trafficking and gender-based violence.
0: I just want to jump to a, a little bit about, you know, that connection from being uh, an emergency manager that all FEMA employees are to the uh, the local and the state emergency managers, the community-based emergency managers. You know, what role can they play uh, and first responders play in prevention of and response to, you know, situations of human trafficking?
2: Yeah, so that's a um, a really, really great point. Uh, you know, disaster response and recovery efforts, they're locally led, state managed, and then federally funded. And so of course our FEMA employees are there, uh, but the folks that live in these communities understand the community the best um, and really understand the resources that are available. So FEMA employees absolutely can and do look out, look out for signs of gender-based violence and human trafficking. Uh, we also serve as reporters, right? Because disaster survivors can approach Approach any FEMA employee to report suspicions of human trafficking or other gender-based violent crime, and we take appropriate actions. Uh, whether it is uh, a referral, as I said before, to local law enforcement uh, or, or other actions, but. But the reality is, is that all of our state and local emergency managers are trained in the same, same ways. We want to make sure that they have the resources and the skills, the referral hotlines, um, other resources to make sure that when they see something, they know what to do about it.
0: Yeah. Um. So Brandy, going back to uh, the blue campaign and the work that you're doing, you know, what are emergency managers, what are our teams in the fields? What are they looking for? What questions should we be asking? And you know, what are some of the indicators that we should be looking for?
1: Yeah, I think Leslie hit the nail on the head when she said that um, these employees play such an integral part in disasters. We have a very vast uh, survivor lived experience expert network. And they've told us that, as I mentioned before, that traffickers are playing on vulnerabilities and, you know, missing basic needs. So when we talk about housing, if, you know, a disaster comes through my neighborhood or my community, um, that's a prime location that traffickers are going to try to recruit their victims, right? Like, oh, you need a place to stay, you know, you need food, you need water, you need medical care. So when we are looking at the indicators in that type of situation, you know, does the person maybe seem disconnected from their community? Um, do they have the proper housing? You know, are they showing fluctuations in their behavior? Do they seem disoriented or confused? Or are they showing signs of mental or physical abuse? Um, do they? Does the person have bruises in various stages of healing? Do they seem fearful or timid or submissive? Um, do they look like they've been denied food or water or sleep or medical care? Um, also, a big one that the, that people can see is if there's um, two people in the situation, is that person um, in the company of, of someone else that they defer to the, to talk to, or are they allowing that person to speak for them or control the situation? Um, does that person appear to be coached on what to say? Um, so I think those are... Um, some questions that people out in the field can ask when they're trying to identify a person or victim of human trafficking.
0: Yeah, that's a great summation. Thank you. And, uh, you know, I think as I have read through some of the materials for in support of this month's presidentially designated observance, um, well, you know, I think one of the things that that jumps out at me is that we can't we as emergency managers or public safety, we can't do it alone. And so it really does take the the whole community is a you know a phrase that we certainly like to use at, at FEMA, but it does take the whole community. A big part of that whole community is the faith-based um, organizations and community organizations. And so Nicole from the DHS Center, what role can faith leaders play in combating human trafficking?
3: You know, Mark, that's an excellent question. Um, But one thing I would step back and say what's equally important to understand is the uniqueness faith leaders in addressing this heinous crime, which is actually the second largest crime in our world. Faith leaders, what I would consider, are a moral authority or a trusted messenger in community. Faith leaders, I also see them as cultural key holders. They understand the cultural complexities of our human experiences, as well as our well-being, of our social, spiritual, and emotional needs. But even more importantly, faith leaders, without any fanfare at all, have served on the front lines of most social issues of our time. And I think many of us within FEMA can stand the test of that, knowing how they are serving and working around disaster survivors in many capacities. So we also know that faith leaders have this built-in trust who could be more Prepared, in my opinion, to be able to socially be connected to people and serve as a force multiplier and do many things of what Brandy had shared today, about sharing about public messaging, about um resources that they can talk about the prevention of against human trafficking, as well as those who have been impacted, um serving and particularly those who are in greatest in need. So again, I think the ways in which faith leaders can be per- so useful and instrumental, um, from both the public messaging, but also in providing that direct service,
1: Mark, can I say something to what Nicole Please. That was great, Nicole. And as I mentioned, Nicole and I have been working together for for a long time, and she's a powerhouse in this space. I also think that faith la- faith leaders play a special role because a lot of victims of human trafficking seek out places of worship um when they're in their situation to get help, right? So the training aspect and knowing next steps on how to um, respond to those situations and and maybe connect them with proper services is important, um, which is why our office partners with Nicole shop all the time, right? Because we wanna get out in the community and say, hey, if you happen to encounter a potential victim of human trafficking, this is what you need to do. Because we know that victims are gonna seek out these leaders in the community for help, and we want to prepare them in the event that
0: they do. So, you know, just thinking about the uh, the month ahead and into February, we have the Super Bowl coming up, Brandy, and uh, there's news that says that uh, human trafficking awareness uh, increases around the Super Bowl. Uh, and how how do big events like sporting events and other very large mass gatherings play a part in getting the message out?
1: Yeah, Mark. So I think that any any large event, um, Super Bowl or otherwise, are a good opportunity to for campaigns such as the blue campaign to raise awareness about human trafficking. Um, when you have a lot of people in one place at one time, it's an amazing opportunity to, to get your educational materials out to your target audiences. And that's how we look at it. So in the in the past year, we have not only advertised at Super Bowl, but we have been on the jumbotron at the NBA's All-Star Weekend. We have been in the training materials for um, the MLB All-Star Weekend. We have been at six different um, MLB organizations organizations running our paid media ads. We have been at South by Southwest, which is held in um, Austin, Texas every year, where it's bringing together a bunch of um, media and business leaders. We were at Essence, Essence's uh, Festival of Culture, which is the largest African-American um, festival held every year in new orleans and so um the way we look at it is that any large event um it brings together an array of people at one place at one time and it's an awesome opportunity to get your educational awareness materials out to the public
0: so brandy i know and and you've talked uh, uh, quite a bit about the the great work that the center for countering human trafficking is doing so uh brandy if any of these organizations want to learn more are looking for resources on the the topic of human trafficking, where can they find it?
1: Yes, they can go to our public-facing website, which is www.dhs.gov slash campaign. And Mark, our bread and butter is our public awareness material. Um, some of our materials are available in over 39 languages and we have toolkits, we have indicator cards, we have videos, we have posters, anything that you can think of um, is gonna be on our webpage under our resources tab. Uh, and we, if we don't have it, shoot me an email and we can, we can create it uh, because that's why we're here, right? Um, the other really great thing about the resources is that they're absolutely free. They're at no cost. Um, and then we also have a few of those materials that we actually provide in print. So you can go to our website again and you can order the materials and we will ship them to you anywhere um, within the United States or the territories. And then we also have some training. Um, We actually partnered with FEMA a couple of years ago to um, create some disaster management response training. So if you're out in the field and you need a little bit more than what we provided in this conversation, we um, worked with some people, some really amazing people at FEMA on the ground to create this training on what indicates. Um, you're most likely to see and um, how to properly report it. And so that those are publicly available on our website and they actually take you to um, FEMA's Emergency Management Institute um, homepage um, to register absolutely free again. Um, so after you take that training, order some of our resources, um, we also come out and we provide free training. And so um, we do that via virtually via a webinar um, or we can do it in person. And so um, that's why we're here is to make sure that you all have the tools and resources that you need um, to help raise awareness and get educated about the crime.
2: And Mark, if if you'll let me add on to that, I just like to say that, you know, Brandy and the team were so incredibly gracious to come to FEMA to do a special uh, training for all FEMA employees. Uh, We advertised it and we had, I think something north of 500 FEMA employees take a voluntary training to make sure that they're learning more. So we know that there's an appetite for additional awareness and highly encourage everybody to come through the Blue Campaign's website because it is a treasure trove of information and free resources as Brandy described.
0: So, uh, you know, as we close out our time today, um, you know, I, I would just like to ask each of you to share one action step our listeners can do today to help prevent human trafficking. And uh, not to put you on the spot, but I'd love to start with you, Nicole. Um, wh- what, what can you offer?
3: Thank you, Mark. You know, actually, I was thinking about this and said, one of the most important things I can say to anyone is to be a mentor. And why do I say that? Because... Nothing can replace the power of one's presence. As we know, it is our human nature to be seen and heard, to be valued and validated, to be honored and to be loved. If I might use the words of Mother Teresa, she said, don't worry about the numbers of those impacted by great need or circumstance, but start with the one in front of you that one might be your child. It might be a family member or a neighbor, or even a stranger. Being a mentor or intentionally engaged in one's life is a way of uplifting and affirming young people in particular is of great interest of mine, but even those in our communities who are greatest in need. So for me, See how you can interject yourself intentionally in someone's life. Be a mentor.
0: Powerful words, not not just on this topic, but for um, almost everything that we do. Thank you, Nicole, and thanks for joining us. Uh, Leslie.
2: So I think that uh, one of the best things that we can do is, and that everybody can do, is learn the indicators, as Brandy, we've described. Um, And then make sure that uh, if you see something, you say something. All of us in society, we're all reporters. We all need to actively come together um, and take the steps to ensure that human trafficking is eliminated. So uh, and everybody can have a role in that in terms of reporting it, whether uh, if you're going to identify a victim or if you have a uh, if you suspect human trafficking, please do your part uh, to make sure that local law enforcement um, can 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 act appropriately and save lives. And there's a number of ways for that reporting to happen, whether it's through the DHS Homeland Security Investigations tip line, and I'm happy to give that number. It's uh, 866-347-2423. There's also a national human trafficking hotline at 888-373-7888. And of course, local law enforcement and 911 is always available for reporting.
0: Great. And then uh, just to round us out, our partners at DHS, uh, Brandy, what's one action step?
1: I'll just reiterate is, you know, put those hotline numbers into your phones right now. That is an easy, quick step that you can do um, after hearing this conversation or visiting our website at dhs.gov slash campaign and learning about the indicators, watching a video or two. Is to log those numbers into your phone. Um, And I'll repeat them. The National Human Trafficking Line number is one 888 373-7888. And the uh, DHS tip line is 866-347-2423. That is just an immediate step anybody can take because what we want to see is that quality tips are starting to go to these hotlines to help our law enforcement um, officials and our um, non-governmental organizations that are service providers helping these victims of FEMA trafficking. And so that is something that the public can do, um, in the immediate.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of before, during and after a podcast from FEMA, if you'd like to learn more about this episode or other topics or have ideas for future episodes, visit us at fema.gov podcast.